0: Welcome to JourneyWithJesus.net, a weekly webzine for the global church. I'm Daniel B. Clendenin. My essay this week is called Lo Cotidiano, The Daily Thing. It's based upon the lectionary readings for Sunday, May the 26th, 2013. According to the church's liturgical calendar, The weeks after Pentecost are called Ordinary Time. Lent is long gone. Easter festivities have faded from memory. With no fasts or feast days between Pentecost and Advent, we've entered the long lull of Ordinary Time. It's Memorial Day, the end of the school year, and the unofficial beginning of summer. But is there any such thing as ordinary time or place for Christians? In fact, all time and every place is sacred. In How to Be a Poet, Wendell Berry observes, There are no unsacred places. There are only sacred places and desecrated places. The same is true of time. There's no such thing as ordinary time, regardless of the church calendar. That's why, in her poem, Today, Mary Oliver can forsake what she calls the voodoo's of ambition, take the day off, and celebrate doing nothing at all. So, too, people. There are no ordinary people, writes C.S. Lewis in The Weight of Glory. You have never talked to a mere mortal. Nations, cultures, arts, civilizations, these are mortal, and their life is to ours as the life of a gnat. But it is immortals whom we joke with, work with, marry, snub, and exploit. Immortal horrors or everlasting splendors. Quaker spirituality honors the simple and the ordinary. With no creed, no liturgy, no sacred place defined by special architecture, no observance of holy days, no sacraments and no professional clergy, Quaker simplicity emphasizes quietude, both in personal spirituality and in corporate worship. In the inner solitude of the human heart, we meet the creator of all time and space, God infinite, God intimate. The Celtic traditions speak of so-called thin places. These are places where the sacred and the profane intersect, times when the spiritual permeates the material. In thin places, we experience God's extraordinary presence, in our ordinary lives. I recently enjoyed Esther DeWall's book of prayers called The Celtic Vision. One of the gifts of Celtic spirituality was that it was a practice in which ordinary people in their daily lives took the tasks that lay to hand, but treated them sacramentally as pointing to a greater reality which lay beyond them. It's an approach to life which we've been in danger of losing. This sense of allowing the extraordinary to break in on the ordinary. DeWall's book thus includes prayers not only about saints and angels, but about farming and fishing, herding the cows, and tending the hearth. In her 1996 book, Muharista Theology, the Latina theologian Maria Izzi Diaz describes this intersection of the sacred and the mundane, the unexpected and the unexceptional, as lo cotidiano, the daily thing, or sacred ordinariness. In the Gospel this week, Jesus told his disciples, I have much more to say to you. It's precisely in our ordinary times and places that we experience this much more promised by Jesus. And the more that he promised is often found in the less of our lives. When we don't get what we want or expect, God gives us something different, something unexpected, something sacred in the ordinary. After three tumultuous years with Jesus, I imagine the disciples as exasperated by his words. You mean there's more? But I'm sure they also felt a sense of expectation and longing. There's more to come. There's more to my story. I'm not stuck in past failures or present fears. What more does the resurrected Lord have for me in my everyday life? Ordinary life. Sacred ordinariness requires a counterintuitive and countercultural way of seeing the world in our own lives. The Psalmist for this week says that God, whose majesty extends throughout the cosmos, silences the mighty with the songs of babies. And the feminized wisdom of God in Proverbs eight calls out to all who would be truly wise. In the epistle, Paul urges his Roman readers to face suffering with joy instead of despair, for nothing can separate them from God's love. They have every reason to believe that their hope will not disappoint them, contrary to external circumstances. Of course, there's a big difference between loving what God gives and longing for our own fantasies. The latter is a setup for deep disappointment. The former is a path to Christian maturity. Mature faith doesn't anticipate a predetermined outcome. Way back in the 4th century, the of Pontuska survives, Pray not to this end that your own desires be fulfilled. Once you've learned to accept this point, pray instead, thy will be done. In every matter, ask God in this way for what is good, and for what confers profit on your soul. For you yourself do not seek this so completely as he does. Avagrius learned this lesson the hard way. The writer Palladius describes how in his younger years, Evagrius fell in love with the wife of an imperial official in Constantinople. He writes, The woman loved him in return, whereas Evagrius wished to break off with the woman, who by now was eager and frantic. But he could not do so. So caught up was he in the bonds of concupiscence. After a disturbing dream, the next day Evagrius boarded a ship for Jerusalem. There he met the famous Melania, one of the wealthiest women of her time, who was also deeply committed to the monastic movement. After a severe sickness that lasted six months, Evagrius confessed the whole story to Melania. She advised him to flee to the desert. So that's what Evagrius did. And for the last 16 years of his life, one of the greatest and most refined Christian intellectuals of his day submitted himself to the unlettered Coptic peasants of the harsh Egyptian desert. Today, Evagrius is recognized as one of the most distinguished practitioners and guides of the early desert dwellers. And it all started in that most ordinary of human experiences— a broken love affair. What did Evagrius learn in the desert? He learned to love the love of God more than his own desires. If and when we do that, says Evagrius, in words that echo the gospel this week, quote, the Lord wishes to confer even greater favors than those you ask for, <clears throat> And for further reflection, consider the words of Frederick Beekner. This is from his book Now and Then. Beekner writes, Listen to your life. Listen to what happens to you, because it is through what happens to you that God speaks. It's in language that's not always easy to decipher, but it's there powerfully, memorably. Unforgettably. And also a Celtic supplication taken from Esther DeWall's book, The Celtic Vision. O being of life, O being of peace, O being of time, O being of eternity, O being of eternity. Keep me in good means, keep me in good intent, keep me in good estate, better than I know to ask, better than I know to ask. For books this week, I review a title called Banksy, The Man Behind the Wall. The author is Will Ellsworth Jones, New York, St. Martin's Press, 2012, 322 pages. If you've ever walked through an art museum and felt clueless about what you were viewing, or put off by an unspoken artsy elitism, Banksy might be your man. Banksy dismisses those staid and white-walled galleries as just trophy cabinets for a handful of millionaires. Banksy is the anonymous street artist from Bristol, England, who's now famous the world over. The irony of hiding his identity while feeding his fame is only one of his many contradictions. Will Ellsworth Jones doesn't know who Banksy is. Nor in his book in any way nor is his book in any way authorized or official, but it's still a good introduction to one of the world's most provocative and subversive artists. Banksy is an outsider who's become the insider. He started off stenciling graffiti in Bristol. He says he was never good or fast enough for freehand spraying. His simple but politically powerful images gained notice, then notoriety, and before long his so-called incursion paintings appeared all over the world. This was brilliant street art as biting social commentary, and most people loved it. So-called real artists hated it. In Banksy, says one man, the Philistines are getting their revenge. City council members objected to the vandalism until they realized that a Bansky made their city hip. Other graffiti artists have painted over his work, while still others steal it and sell it for massive profits. Twenty years have rolled by, and the questions have multiplied. Can you be a subversive if you invite Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie to your art show? If your work is now coveted by auction houses, private dealers, collectors, gallery owners, and old school museums? Isn't there a big difference between tagging a tunnel with graffiti and making productions to hang in a gallery? So-called splashers don't paint on Banksy's work and argue that the millions of dollars now commanded by Banksy, most of which he never sees, by the way, are a sure sign that it's simply bourgeois-sponsored rebellion. To make up your own mind, do a Google image search by using his name. Visit his website, banksy.co.uk, read the Wiki article about him, or watch the Oscar-nominated movie made by Banksy called Exit Through the Gift Shop, which is an ironic study of how and why people will honor the craziest stuff as art. The title, Banksy, The Man Behind the Wall, Will Ellsworth Jones, 2012. For Movies This Week, I reviewed the film called Buck, B-U-C-K, Buck. When Buck Brannaman was a little boy, his father beat him and his brother mercilessly. Only when a football coach discovered the welts on his back was he removed to a foster home. Amazingly, he went on to become the famous horse whisperer, who has a gentle way with training horses. Some people think they have problem horses, says Buck, but what's often the case is that the horses have problem people. This 90-minute documentary follows these two tracks, Recovery from Severe Abuse in Human Relationships with Animals. To be sure, Buck lives an unconventional life, traveling from coast to coast giving training sessions for nine months of the year. But he's not a bitter man. This film was a favorite at Sundance, which is not a surprise because Robert Redford used Buck's expertise when all his Hollywood-trained horses couldn't do a scene he wanted, and Buck did it in thirty minutes. Buck Brenneman was the inspiration by the best-selling novel, The Horse Whisperer, 1995, which, by the way, sold 15 million copies, and which was made into a movie of the same name in 1998 by Redford. The documentary film, Buck, 2011, And at this time of year for Pentecost, for poetry, we've posted a poem called A Prayer for Pentecost. It's from the Reformed Church in America. (coughs) Holy Spirit, Lord and Giver of life, at the beginning of time you moved over the face of the waters. You breathe into every living being the breath of life. Come, Creator Spirit, and renew the whole creation. Holy Spirit, voice of the prophets, you inflame men and women with a passion for your truth, and through them call your people to the ways of justice and compassion. Come, Spirit of righteousness, and burn in our hearts. Holy Spirit, Spirit of Jesus, by your power Jesus came to bring good news to the poor and release to those held captive. Come, liberating Spirit, and free us from the powers of sin and death. Holy Spirit, advocate and teacher, you speak to us of our Lord and show us the depth of his love. Come, spirit of truth, abide in us and lead us in the way of Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit, wind and flame, you fill disciples with joy and courage empowering them to preach your word and to share your good news. Come, Spirit of power, make us bold witnesses of your redeeming love. Holy Spirit, Spirit of peace, you break down barriers of language, race, and culture and heal the divisions that separate us Come, reconciling Spirit, and unite us all in the love of Christ. Holy Spirit, Lord and Giver of life, at the close of the age, all creation will be renewed to sing your praises. Come, Creator Spirit, and make us new creations in Jesus Christ a prayer for Pentecost. Thank you for joining us at journeywithjesus.net for Sunday, May the 26th, 2013. I'm Daniel B. Clendenin.